Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Valerie Maziotti. Valerie is the founder of the Advanced Practice Provider Coaching Network. She's a physician's assistant and has been for the last 30 years for family practice, and she's also a certified life and health coach. In this episode, Valerie and I chat about how we can minimize healthcare provider burnout and minimize organizational turnover. This is a great episode and you really don't want to miss it. I think you'll resonate with it. I think it'll validate where you're at and give you inspiration for where you may want to be. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Hi, Valerie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you were able to make the time to be here. (laughs) I know your schedule is busy. But yeah, I think you're going to add a lot of value today to our listeners and even furthermore, I think some validation. So can you tell me more about yourself and what what you do and who you are? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, my name is Valerie Maziotti, and I am a um, currently practicing uh, full-time family medicine physician assistant at a um, hospital clinic here in a suburb of Seattle. Um, I've been a PA for 30 years now, long time. (laughs) And in the last couple of years, I uh, received my life and health coach certification. And so I have developed a program for our medical organization where I coach our new and existing advanced practice providers um, to help reduce burnout and improve job satisfaction and also to prevent turnover to our organization. Oh, so you do that internally, like within? Um, I do in a way. Okay, (laughs) got you. So I I am doing the program strictly at this point for our organization, Hmm. um, but it is my own separate business that I do on my own time. Beautiful. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then when I'm not working, um, I am a mom of two um, adult kids and a dog and a house with a big yard. And (laughs) (laughs) so, and I, um, I'm a musician. I play the uh, piano and the cello and um, planning to move to Italy for part of my life. So I've been learning Italian. So, um, you know, as we talk about burnout, that's one of the things that's kept me going is having life outside of work. I love that. Speaking of Italy, it's my one of my favorite countries that I've visited. I've been oh, there. Really? I've been there twice now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, has it been twice? Yeah, two or three times anyway, and absolutely love it. Like amazing. it just amazing. feels like home there. Everyone's so hospitable. The food is amazing. <laughs> you know, I get along pretty good. Like just you know, speaking English because I, I don't speak the Italian language, and I just find just communication wise things are, are good for me there <laughs> too. But wow. yeah, beautiful, beautiful scenes there. So yeah, that's a, an important point that you made that there is life outside of of work. And I like how you're kind of drawn toward that and more pulled toward that because you're 30 years in, like, could you technically retire if you wanted to at this point? Is that um, something? Well, I'm close. Um, you know, according to my financial advisor, <laughs> I'm supposed to <laughs> longer <laughs> 30 <laughs> years is a long time like to put into to the profession yeah right and, and just for longevity purposes you know I, I hope not to be you know seeing 20 patients a day you know years from now um, right. so that is why I wanted to transition into doing some coaching and supporting the new providers that that will be taking over Love that. Um, And that's one of the things that I've read too, uh, Valerie, that helps with reducing burnout. I don't know if you you probably could speak to this because it's what you do, um, is that mentorship. So like senior staff with newer staff, I've I've been reading that that's been one of the ways to help minimize um, burnout in some cases. Can can you speak to that at all? Is that something you yeah. do? Yeah. So you're right. Um, I think that's especially important with advanced practice providers um, because our training is shorter. Um, we need ongoing training when we get out of our programs and into our jobs. Even though um, we do have medical backgrounds, you know, before we go into either being a PA or a ARMP. But what happens, and this is why I started coaching, is that, uh, you know, new providers are put in a job and there's no mentorship on a day to day basis like a physician would have in residency mm-hmm. um, or even when they start a job where someone has a schedule blocked to be able to support them and make sure they hit the ground running. So um, advanced practice providers, you know, it's been, it's a very challenging thing to be in a position where you don't always have the help, even though good intentions are there. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to look stupid by asking a lot of questions and you don't want to interrupt the other providers who are all working so hard with your questions. So what I've seen over and over is new providers about two years into a job will just say, this isn't for me. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. And unfortunately, it isn't always greener somewhere else. But if they had the support, if they had a network of colleagues that could help them, I think we could prevent a lot of turnover and a lot of costs to the medical organizations. Yeah, I think that that uh, collaborative networking piece is big. And I don't think that's consistently seen enough or practiced enough 
you know, organizationally and systematically. So just to clarify an advanced pra- uh, practice practitioner, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in Canada. So can you define what that means exactly, yeah. an advanced sure. practice practitioner? Yeah. So it's um, it, it, the current term is an advanced practice provider. So that includes a physician assistant or an advanced registered nurse practitioner. Okay. Right. So that's the umbrella, you know, that um, we're under. Okay. And it, it's interesting because a uh, physician assistant, at least here, I mean, I hadn't heard of the the profession. I don't know if it's fairly newer here in Canada compared to the States because you've been doing it for so many years. I, I'm so mm-hmm. surprised that I haven't heard of it until recent years. Like, you know, I don't know if 30 years ago it was if it was here in Canada, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I'm not aware of the Canadian system. Um, right. The physician assistant profession came about after World War II, when mm-hmm. medics came back highly trained, but were not physicians. Mm-hmm. And that's how the, um, the um, physician assistant uh, career developed. Wow. Uh, that's really cool. Um, and I think it, there's a huge space for physician assistants, especially nowadays, too. Speaking of burnout, Compared to like burnout is something that has been on the rise like for years, and it's we know it's not new in healthcare, but I think mm-hmm. the pandemic has shone some light on it, and mm-hmm. people are more aware community wide that healthcare providers are feeling this way. Um, sure. So, could you like, what is your opinion in terms of why? Like, are the reasons different than they were pre-pandemic? I'm sure maybe to some degree, or do you think they're just more? Like they're just more obvious now because of the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I do think that they're probably more pronounced, but I think they are different. And, you know, being in Washington State, um, where I work, is about less than an hour from the first COVID infection identified in in Washington State. You know, that was the first one in the United States at a nursing home. And you know, we've been the gamut in Washington where, you know, oh, it's it's just going to be another cold. Don't worry about it. No, you don't need to wear a mask. Oh, now you need to wear a mask. Oh, now you need an N95. There's just always this ongoing change in our day-to-day life. But what we've also seen is a big change in our patients and how they deal with us. Mm. So our state is very politicized. I'm sure a lot of them are. Um, so you have your, your people who agree with vaccination, your people who don't, and it's, it's very, been very interesting. I've never had, you know, a time in my career where patients would come in and ask us our opinion and then completely dismiss our opinion and say, you know what, I'm going to do my own research Mm. and, you know, I'll decide what to do. And maybe, you know, they have more time to research and they know more than us, Um, but it's a lack of respect that I have never seen before. It's uh, anger in patients that have never seen before. And luckily that is calming down, um, you know, as as things ease up, but it has certainly been a change. Yeah. Um, Really very hard on providers. Yeah. And I, like you said, just the political, the politics of it all. And I know to some degree, healthcare has to be political because that's how, and sometimes in our case, especially here in Ontario, like that's how change sometimes happens, right? Because we are government funded to some degree. But I, I yeah, I, I think the anger is sometimes directed towards the wrong, 
that towards the provider when it's not necessarily the case, right? Um, right. People, people are just generally frustrated, I find. And mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I, that's really interesting because it used to be, you're right, that typically people would take the provider's uh, knowledge, recommendations, mm-hmm. and typically follow them. And, uh, right. you know, um, and now you're seeing a little bit uh, different than that. So, yeah. and I mean, I'm I'm very supportive of empowering patients and them making their own decisions. So if it comes from an informed state and they're just informing themselves, then great, right? And um, mm-hmm. and that may be the way things are going, you know, when we think about it systematically, where things are heading. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we have the great resignation happening, as you know. <laughs> I mean, again, you've been in this uh, profession for 30 years and you're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some have left the bedside, some have left direct care. And what is your opinion on that? Why do you think, what's your perspective? Why do you think providers have been leaving? Like you said earlier, maybe some do think the grass is greener um, mm-hmm. somewhere else, uh, but is there more to that? Sure. I think there's definitely more to that. And with um, the you know information I've gathered through coaching, our providers, um, you know, there's several factors involved in that. There's the fact that it's a very time consuming job and that just because you're on your day off doesn't mean you don't have charts to do or labs to answer. Mm -hmm. It's a job where it's always changing. And if you're a person who doesn't like your cheese mood, (laughs) um, that can be very difficult. You know, you, you deal with patients who have minds of their own and, you know, and most of them are wonderful and great. And some of them are very challenging. And it's just at this time in our lives, it's like, where, where are we going with this, you know, with our medical profession? Does what we do in the United States work where we have, you know, private insurance, you know, it's a job that gives you a lot of satisfaction, but it wears you out all at the same time. Yeah. I, I was just, this is a great follow-up discussion. Uh, recently, I had a discussion with Dr. John Jerica, and he's a family physician who also helps providers overcome burnout by looking at non-clinical careers, but mm-hmm. still using their medical background and still having an impact on patient care. Um, and, you know, he was speaking to this as well. And we were talking about how energetically speaking, um, and I was telling him how I had COVID twice, and I didn't realize it until I came back to work after being off because I was someone who never really called in sick. Like it was very unusual for me to do that. Uh I didn't, I didn't realize the cognitive, the emotional, the physical demands of of what I do in a day. (laughs) Like it just, (laughs) and when when you're out of it, you, you know, or when you're in it, you don't realize it. Um, But when you step back and, and take a look in, it's yeah. Like I would say our profession is one of the most of all of those things. Like we cover everything, like the physical demand too, just being present. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I can like see, it. yeah, we only have so much energy, right? Right. Um, but another part of that conversation, and, and I know you touched on this a bit, was organizationally. Um, I know part of what you do is to help minimize turnover among mm-hmm. staff, right? And improve satisfaction. Are healthcare organizations being proactive in this way to minimize provider burnout, generally speaking? And, you know, what can be done? What what's, what do you suggest organizations start doing if they're looking at this? Yeah, well, I love that question. 
you know, I work for an amazing organization that's all about, you know, supporting us in our well-being. Um, but I think we're really missing the point sometimes that the people who could support us the most are actually right in front of us. You know, our C- CEOs don't have time to check in on us and say, hey, you know, are you happy? Are things going okay? But I think where we really need to focus is our medical directors on our teams, our clinic supervisors, our managers, who I feel should be checking in with us and saying, are you happy? You know, what are you, you know, what are you struggling with in your job right now? And not only that, but where do you want to be a year from now? five years from now, 10 years from now, how can we help you grow? How can we help you develop and give you something to look forward to? Right. Yeah. And that, and I think, yeah, like things change, right? Like people evolve, people change. And I think checking in with staff more directly, like kind of ensures whether, you know, staff and organizationally, those values are staying together, they're coming together, they're evolving together in the same direction. How do you like, do you think that's something that can be done internally, or do you think it's something where they would have to maybe contract out, bring somebody in, or do you think that's something that because I, I just wonder because I, I empathize with leadership and I know there's probably a lot of demands on them, nice. so I, I do wonder like how they could tell like manage that as well if it was yeah. internal. Yeah, I think one of the things that would be really helpful is that a lot of times um, our medical directors or supervisors are, you know, very experienced clinicians that are put in this role because they're good at what they do, but they don't necessarily always get support in learning to be a leader Mm -hmm. and how to help their team. Mm -hmm. So they're doing the best they can do. You know, we're doing the best we can do, but we could do better. And I think it, you know, it starts at the top with leadership at the very top, supporting our, you know, immediate medical directors and supervisors and offering them training and making them the best leaders that they can be so that they can trickle that down to their team. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Because like you said, I think it's great to have a clinician with a leadership role, because Mm -hmm. I think it empowers that voice and that relatability clinician to clinician too. But uh, yeah, I think they too have to be supported in also being able to um, better communicate effectively with staff and connect with them as well. Yeah, so really good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you think it's at all possible to prevent healthcare provider burnout with this type of model that you're kind of describing? Yeah, I I think it's possible to reduce it. I don't think we can ever really talk that we will prevent it based on the job as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is what it is. That's what we hear all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. yes, yes, you can do a, a new patient physical in 20 minutes. Yes, you can do that. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I'll know that no, we can, but somehow we do, right? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think we can help to reduce it. And um, one of the things I find that helps really the most that I've seen is getting, um, I do my coaching in groups. So getting groups of our APPs together that don't know each other 
and making connections. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the most amazing thing that will prevent burnout. You have people you can, you know, reach out to. You've got your great curbside consults right there that you can call and you feel comfortable talking to. And you don't feel alone. You know, I, I worked at a clinic for over 20 years and I was the only APP the entire time I was there. Wow. And That's even it. though we're, you know, we're providers too, we, we are different and not having someone like me um, in the clinic, you know, can be difficult. For sure. And that's one of the things I, I love about virtual now is that we can connect with other providers. I can do this podcast, connect with you out in Washington. You know what I mean? So, um, and for me, this has been a source of support as well, because I get to meet people from all over. I get to connect with others who are going through things similarly and, um, you know, managing their well-being too. So, yeah. yeah. So I totally That'd agree. How do you, you know, the phrase misery loves company, right, Valerie? <laughs> So one of one of like my hesitations sometimes with bringing people together, and I'm all for it, I actually just recently did a community call, and we had about five other clinicians on the call from all over. And it was awesome. Because it was all about, you know, reflection, and it was all about connection, and it was all about support and empowerment, and that kind of thing. Sometimes I find though, depending, it can go the other way where it becomes kind of a, you know, event session or just complaining. Right. And so that can deter people from doing um, these types of gatherings and, mm -hmm. and networking. So mm -hmm. how do you, in your coaching, like how do you kind of make that clear about what it's about? Yeah, I do agree that it's very important to make clear. And actually at our first session of every group, um, I make that as a rule that this group is not for complaining or being negative. Um, we are going to discuss issues that are important to you that we want to change, but our goal is to come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. Love that. I think I think that has to be set because what fun is that to go to a group and just listen to com people complain and that yeah. accomplishes nothing. No, it really doesn't. And it just um, changes the whole energy dynamic, you know, of the group. It could totally flip it. So when patient or when clients come to you at this point, um, what are their, like, what are they, what are their concerns initially? And what do they realize in working with you? Mm -hmm. What becomes, what becomes more clear for them? Okay. Um, well, specifically with advanced practice providers, I always say, you know, we're somewhat in the middle but we're never this term called a mid-level provider, which is sometimes used for us. Mm. Um, I think it's a very degrading term because that, uh, you know, suggests that there's a hierarchy that someone is better than you and someone is not as good as you. And, you know, we're all on the same team. We're not going to function without our nurses and our medical assistants okay. and our front desk staff, right? Yeah. Um, but some of the things that we find with the APPs, because we are in this someone in the middle, is that we often have where our leadership doesn't really understand how we work. Okay. or how we could best work to our full abilities. Um, our colleagues don't really understand, you know, what training have we had and how can we help them or, or when would we need help? Um, so being able to clarify roles uh, with within your team mm -hmm. is a really important step, you know, that we talk about. Um, standing up for yourself, you know, making yourself heard, mm -hmm. uh, making yourself unique. 
right? So what keeps you working when there's job cuts from COVID? What brings patients to you as an APP versus maybe an MD? Because you have a certain specialty that you've, you know, um, increased your knowledge about. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, one of the biggest, again, is connection, you know, that you're not alone, that, you know, everyone in this group is, you know, feeling the same way, and that we're all here to support each other. Oh, I love that. Do you, uh, you or do your clients, do you ever encourage them to then have like a dialogue? Or do you ever include other people in the team in these coaching interactions? Or are they just I, typically... I Oh, you do as well. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. I, I actually will. I bring some of my previous group members back. Um, you know, people are more experienced. I've had, um, you know, my clinical supervisor talk um, just to give them, you know, different perspectives on um, how the organization runs and um, opportunities for them. Um, right. You know, I think that's another thing with uh, APPs that's kind of unique is that our opportunities for growth are sometimes very limited where a physician can become a medical director or a head of a you know team or whatever, uh, that's not very common with APPs. Um, and not having the ability to grow, I think is one of the biggest burnout reasons that there can ever be. Yeah, you know? I, agree I know there's you. some people are just fine with doing whatever day in yeah. and day out. Um, but most of us are going to get a little bored. Yeah. Uh, so it's being able to create a plan for yourself. We talk about that. What are you going to do in a year or two years or five years? And how are you going to get there? What training do you need? You know, what connections do you need? And, you know, we try to help them with that, you know, mm-hmm. while they're in the program. Do you, is there uh, more space now for APPs in other roles other than just direct care? Like, is that growing or is that another area that people could possibly start creating? Um, There's not as much. Um, I think the nurse practitioner at this point can practice independently. Uh, Physician assistants still are not allowed to practice independently. And we are part of a a physician team. Mm -hmm. Um, So whereas a nurse practitioner could go out and maybe start their own practice, um, you know, doing, you know, psychiatry or or whatever it is they want to do, a PA is limited by that. Could a PA manage a clinic? Because I'm just thinking of myself Mm -hmm. as a a physiotherapist in the States, as a physical therapist. Here Mm -hmm. in in Canada, um, we have like kinesiologists who technically work with us, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. are like assistants, so to speak, uh, to the physio, but yet some of them manage the clinic. And so I just wonder if that's, that's possible for a PA as well. I don't know personally of any PAs. I can tell you though, that my uh, clinic director is a nurse practitioner, okay. uh, which is highly unusual. Yeah, very cool. But that's awesome. Love mm-hmm. that. So after 30 years, Valerie, what keeps you here? What keeps you here? I have to ask. Well, you know, I, I feel like, honestly, I'm at the prime, really, of my knowledge, of my ability to communicate with patients. And I still learn every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way you can know everything. Um, And my colleagues, I mean, it is a job that provides you with a lot of satisfaction from patients, you're helping people. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's been a challenging career, but it's been a very good one too. 
That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. And what is your final like words of advice for someone or even an organization who is going through the thick of this, right? Burnout's mm-hmm. happening. They're in it. They know they're experiencing it and they're just kind of just getting through day to day. And it's just trying to make it to Friday, let's say, or trying to make it to the weekend. Like, do you have any words of inspiration for them? Yeah, I think it's checking in, you know, to check in with each other and to not do too much right now. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I'm in a, a group that um, works on some of the quality measures and we were recently talking and, and some of the providers wanted to up the, up the stats you know, that we're going to, you have to hit this number, hit this number. And I really feel this is not the time to do that. Yeah, I think this is a time to heal. We're not out of this yet. We've got, you know, COVID surging again, although not as severe, thankfully. It's a time to sit back and just breathe and regroup. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you put that because I think that's definitely where energy needs to go we're running this marathon together for sure. <laughs> so you've been wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad you, you were here today. Um, and I just want to know where people, where can people connect with you? Um, you can either connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, my organization is APP Coaching Network. Um, the website is appcoachingnetwork.com. And yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, I look forward to people listening to this episode and really connecting with it and resonating. And thank you for what you do. It's very, very important. And it gives us, uh, you know, a sounding board to keep us whole and healthy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.